All right, Coffee and Theology Wednesday, May May 18th at 8.13 on uh, Wednesday, May 18th. Today we're going to do um, kind of what I'm imagining is sort of uh, speed dating for Coffee and Theology. This will be something where we're going to maybe ask questions or insert comments, um, possible theories that we have rolling around in our heads and allow some people to answer and feedback, but kind of in popcorn style. So it's gonna go kind of quickly um, instead of doing some deep dives on questions of theology, we are going to do some kind of skimming the surface, but go, hey, what about this? And what about that? Or I've been questioning, I've been wondering about this lately. What would you have to say about that? Um, and we started off by giving an intro that, that the things of God are knowable and also taken um, with, an, with a bit of mystery. So the mystery of faith is not that it is um, so mysterious that you can't know it, but it is that it is so mysterious that it is um, relentlessly knowable. It, it, is, it is never past knowing. It is always being known in layers over our lifetime and beyond. So it is not that it can't be known. I, I really hesitate when talking to people and because they reach the end, the end to their own logical reasoning, they say things like, well, we just can't know. We just can't know. Or we'll just never know. Like That's always kind of a the clinch, the clincher, the nail in the coffin is like when, when you're talking about things and then somebody will say, well, we'll just, we just won't ever know. We won't ever know. And I always feel a little bit like, yeah, but we do know because we have the spirit of grace and God and within us. And we do have the image and the nature of God within us. And God made us to be known and to know that's our whole thing. So if we don't yet know, we just know that there's more light to be had and more uh, steps to take until we do know, because he did not create us to be um, the ones that are living in the dark, but rather the ones that are living in the light, in the endlessly knowable mystery of Christ. And I mean, countless different verses in the, in the scriptures, especially with Jesus talking about um, how we can know him and that the spirit of truth is leading us into all truth. And that's just part of the nature and the work of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is that river of life within you, that river of life and that river of truth. Jesus said that when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. So we should expect as people of faith and people connected, communicating with God on a regular basis, that we should have some clarity around some things in our lives and things regarding God. Um, and, you know, I think that it's always, we always want to stay quick to go, not that we're going to know everything. We always want to give that kind of a, um, disclaimer. I'm not sure why we do that. I'm not sure why we want to cap our knowing. I'm not sure why we want to say we just can't know that. Um, maybe it's easier to have that disclaimer 
Yeah. So the spirit of truth guiding us and leading us into all truth would have a little bit of hope. That gives me hope that we can know the things of God. And in 1 Corinthians 2, we've been a little bit studying that over the last couple of weeks. 1 Corinthians 2, talking about, um, remember that, that scripture that says, eye has not seen and ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has given us of his spirit that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Going on to say, and these things we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but in the words which the Holy Spirit teaches. Talking about spiritual things with spiritual truths, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And because the spirit of God is not content just to flit along the surface, but dives into the deep things of God. I'm still quoting from 1 Corinthians 2. God dives deep into the things of God. For what person knows the things of a person except for the spirit that is within him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except for the spirit of God. Now we have the spirit of God. That's so beautiful. We have the spirit of God. And religion, old religious constructs, would like to keep people in the dark, not knowing, not feeling, not ascertaining, not, not illuminating. They would like to keep them in the dark so that one or two have all the light and all the rest of them to just get to walk around in darkness, being led by this great shepherd, you know. Um, and that's really an oxymoron. It's not a great shepherd that leads sheep through dark. I mean, they, it's a great shepherd who leads them by still waters and in green pastures and and gently leads them and guides them and doesn't uh, scare them and keeps them out of the out of the fold or out of the know. So yeah, the great shepherd, so beautiful to kind of pull up your ideas of who God is based on who you think a good shepherd would be or how a good shepherd would treat um, a flock and always be thinking about that but yeah so we can know so I'm just curious if um, I know that some of you have asked me questions privately over text um, throughout the last week or two and I'm just wondering if if you might be willing to share some of those questions um, here and of course there's no no pressure if that's was really just between us and for a, a private time, that's great. But if you have something or something that you've been thinking about, even something that you've come to peace with, that would be awesome. I'll uh, jump in and go first while <clears throat> they're thinking about that because I just, this just came up in my spirit while you were reading through that and, and setting us up that, um, <clears throat> like how, how do we know we're listening to our inner wisdom and how do we know um, we're hearing like the voice of God? You know, that's always been a really big thing <clears throat> in my evangelical past um, talking about, I mean, to me, spiritual trauma, religious trauma has been um, the people who run the church, which in, in my circle was largely patriarchal, you know, the white male, head of the church and they teach you um basically it's like handing you an inner critic 
and saying, this is the voice of God. And that's what I've had to undo all these years um, since I've left the evangelical church. And so now doing my work in therapy and um, parts work and, and relooking at scripture and relearning theology um, that feels like God to me, that feels loving and inclusive and um, pure and true and all of that. I've started to learn, oh, I have the spirit of God on the inside. So that inner voice, that core self mm. is the voice of God mm. for me. And mm. so I've learned how to trust myself. That's that's the work. That's what I've been doing is how do I trust myself and listen to that inner wisdom instead of the inner critic, instead of the outside voices that are trying to tell me um, this is who God is or what God is or what you should do. Um, and so I'd be curious just to hear how other people are, um, currently on a traje trajectory with that. Like, are you, are you struggling with hearing the voice of God? Do you trust yourself? Do you trust and listen to your inner wisdom? What does that even mean? Um, you know, I have answers to all of that for myself, but I'd love to hear where other people are with that. Well, before we jump into to grapple with that, what a beautiful thing to grapple with. Mm -hmm. I, it's, yeah, it was the first question that Tamara ever asked me. Oh, really? It was the first question Tamara ever asked me when we first sat down to meet as colleagues. Mm -hmm. um, she, we sat down, she's like, how do you know the voice of God between the as distinct from your own voice, your mm -hmm. own conscious, and are those two different? Mm -hmm. And you know, how do you know the voice of God? But then what you added, which I think is so interesting, is that that voice was a critic, mm -hmm. a shame-filled critic. I mean that that was the voice of God. Whatever, like it is going to call out all the bad in you. It's going to criticize every single thing you do that's not quote unquote holy um it was it was an abuser whoa oh man yeah and so then you have an abuser who's ruling over your life and trying to untangle that now i know like my core self is good and holy and pure and all of the best things right and so i have these other parts that maybe are struggling and they might be critical or they might be self-deprecating or they might want me to do something that's not in my best interest self-sabotaging on and on and on but when i stop and really check in with my inner wisdom that comes from my core self and that will never ever lead me astray oh my gosh yeah, I mean, especially the kids that were raised, like kid kiddo size folks like us that were raised in evangelicalism. Mm -hmm. That was the voice that told you when you were doing something wrong, because that mm -hmm. was the only way they taught it. Yeah, that was the only way they taught it. it was like now your conscience, sometimes known as God, is going to tell you when you're sinning and you're doing something or you're entering into a place of temptation. And if you're tempted, then you can pray and ask God for grace. Mm -hmm. but you're basically only tuning in to the, to the slap you on the hand kind mm -hmm. of voice. It's like, you're going to feel so guilty, but yeah. you're going to feel guilty about the things they've told you are wrong. You're going <laughs> to feel guilty about the thing they've 
handed you as your inner critic. Don't. My gosh. Don't. Don't. I mean, like there's a long list of all the things they handed us and said, you're going to feel guilty about these things. When you do, you're going to know that God is disappointed. (laughs) Oh, my God. Did they actually use words like disappointed? God was disappointed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really? Really? Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was less directed it was more like god is not pleased like mm-hmm. god is not pleased with this or this is so um my grandmother would would say something like this is very displeasing to the lord wow. very displeasing you know yeah. if i same thing yeah was having a little tantrum or something you know she would say like this is not honoring to your father in heaven kind of thing (laughs) you know that's all she knew to do that's all i mean she that's like hey if god's mad at you well that brings in a whole other issue bonnie because that's control to parent right i mean that's a whole other level like that was a thing too you could use god to make your kids behave in the way that you wanted them to, instead of just allowing them to be children and to play and to explore and to learn and ask the hard questions or whatever. It was constantly like, oh, God wouldn't like that. Oh, oh, you you asked that. Oh, God wouldn't like that question or God wouldn't like that you hit your brother or whatever. And it's all shame based. Wow. Go ahead, Kelly. Wow. This is good. This is better than I thought. It's great. I was going to say that little, that children's song, uh, be careful little eyes, what you see. Yeah. Um, comes to mind. Um, hate that children's song. Always (laughs) hate it. I do Um, too. Yeah. Because it makes God, it, it, I, yeah, it just makes God seem like he's just like looming and watching instead of living inside of us. And I've always thought that about that song, but also, in my experience, everything that Amber said, and also, and I don't, I'm not a man, so I don't know if men experience this, um, but in my evangelical experience, and my evangelical experience starts as an adult, um, I would hear often when I would say things like, I really feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to me i would get that oh how do you know that's the holy spirit what scripture do you have to back that up and then if i would have scripture to back it up because i was taught as an evangelical that the only way god speaks to me is through his word and so if i had scripture to back it up oh no that's no that's not what that scripture is saying you know and so the so there was gaslighting that can, like for me, my religious trauma, I think, comes in the form of gaslighting, um, being made to feel like I was wrong about what I was reading in the words of scripture or wrong about, about like just like what Amber said, my inner core wisdom that was fighting against what, in my experience, was white patriarchal men telling me that. But yet my husband wasn't telling me any of that. So there was that element of gaslighting. Um, And in in my Catholic upbringing, I was definitely taught that just because I was a woman, I was sinful and dirty. 
that was definitely the message that was given out of the Catholic Church. So my formative years, I, I had learned that I was sinful and dirty just because I'm female. You know, I hold the curse of Eve. And, um, and then, uh, and if I didn't do all these things, I couldn't rectify that sin, the, the original sin. And, um, and then as an evangelical, I was taught that I was wrong for the things that I thought. And so what, what I've learned too is, um, you know, I'm on, I'm on this big numbers and letters kick right now, right? You know, what do numbers do to define us? What are letter, letters that form words? And I'm learning in my journey of, of, um, of deconstructing my faith and of being an outspoken, affirming ally um, that sometimes that the core language is so different. Um, just like, for instance, if I'm talking to my mother-in-law, the word, what the word transgender means to her is very different than what it means to me. And I can't have a conversation if the core language is different. And so I'm learning that my, my ears are very, very important in hearing and being able to talk across divides because the language is different in so many instances. And I feel like in an evangelical upbringing, the language is just different now, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, well, you've had to overcome a lot of hurdles that were embedded really early on. You know, when the foundation, when the direction is wrong, you just keep going in the wrong direction. And it's just, uh, it's almost impossible to correct it. You have to almost just start over, start with a different plan, start with the different assumptions. And that's what I think what you mean by reconstructing or deconstructing is you're like challenging those assumptions and those, the mind models that have, uh, that have have uh, set up your life and you know if it's these kind of if then statements if being a female is bad then everything i do is if being a female is good if being if if i'm not the reason for the fall of all <laughs> humankind you know um and going back to that I, i'm really just stuck on that inner that inner critic, that inner, uh, inner man, you said abuser, Amber, like that's ridiculous. Like that. <laughs> I mean, what I just saw was, I just saw that it internalized the external, uh, controlling voice. It internalized it and it was never, it was never God. That was never God but it took that authority figure whoever that was and internalized it for the person and so that authority figure if the authority figure is abuser then the internal voice is going to be abuser if the authority figure i mean that's just so so beautiful because if my if my parents are saying this then now i'm internalizing if this authority is saying this i'm internalizing it and we call you know in certain sectors you go well those that was just your parents but in this other role well that's the church that's god 
or that's how, how you learn to hear the voice of God, which is so full of condemnation. And I wanted to bring up just a little bit of scripture that, you know, in our biggest love scripture of all, it's put up on big posters at football games, John 3, 16, God so loved the world. Um, and then the next scripture after that, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Yeah, but that the world through him might be uh, brought to protection, healing, salvation, all the things that salvation is. Um, we don't say that part, that God didn't come into the world to condemn the world. That because because a, um, a ruling authority needs condemnation to keep the people in line. A ruling authority needs uh, that manipulation factor, um, which is why it's so scary to run like an organization like we're doing at house church when there's no manipulative fear <laughs> there's no you, you know there's no requirement to be in it's like well then how do i know i'm in i get that that's the question i get a lot in this community is like how do i know i'm a member as long as you're here you belong <laughs> you know we can lay hands on you and induct you in and we can make you pay 10 percent of your income if you want us to but if you need that kind of um reassurance that you're checking off the boxes i guess we can make that happen but we are living by the guide of love and by the guide of freedom with some softer you know maybe some spoken but softer skills of staying a part of the community like telling the truth being respectful you know all the things that you would want in a family but none of these things are required because we have had a lot of haphazard crazy things happen in our community and we forgive and restore and move through and move through it you know but how amazing would it be to be able to eradicate that voice of abuse on the inside. I'm just so smitten with that. I just love that idea. Eve, go ahead. Um, can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, Yeah. I just kind of wanted to second what Amber said there too, and also Kelly, just from some of my experiences. Um, one thing that I... I mean, God was definitely an abuser, and I think everybody knows that because I was raised in a cult. But the more I go into it, I'm realizing that my a lot of my experience was not all that different. I was just told it was so different. We are so different from everyone else. We're cut off from everyone else. The rest of Christianity doesn't do it right. <laughs> and so I was told that I was being raised in this bubble where we did things so differently. But in so many ways, it really wasn't really wasn't that different at all. And it's interesting to um, to, to hear just the different, um, different perspectives. Um, what, uh, you said about, I think it was Kelly said something about what things, the language and what things mean. So I kind of wanted to comment on that just a little bit. Um, especially when we're talking about, um, you know, throwing out different, different topics, uh, you know, different questions, the language itself is huge. Um, the definitions of words, because you can you can come up with all sorts of questions if you're speaking a different language, and be completely confused. And um, one thing that really spoke to me was um, if you've all read Orwell's 1984, there's a um, appendix in the back that explains how language was used to take control, essentially. 
And I don't remember all the details specifically, but one of the principles was they would actually take certain concepts out of the language. So there's no longer any word for them anymore. And then they would lump all of those concepts, and I'm talking about anything to do with freedom, anything to do with true love, true joy, true anything that would actually have to do with you expressing your innermost self. Take all those words and lump them together under the term crime speak. So that even and in that society, if you even thought them, you had committed thought crimes and they had thought police going around. And I thought this was a really uncanny metaphor for what happens or it happened to me, at least in Christianity that and what what they said was if any document that was read, any document whatsoever that was read with those under that language system, you could not get freedom out of it no matter what it was. So you could read the Declaration of Independence, you could read the Bible, you could read anything, but it would not spell freedom because the terms themselves had been eradicated from the language. They, they didn't exist anymore. And that's what happened to me. So, but the amazing thing about the spirit is the spirit is more than words. And I know we talk about triggering words and things like that. And um, I, I came from a place that every, every word was taken. So, and it was so complete that there, there was no non-triggering word. <laughs> um, <laughs> so as far as, as far as Christianity or any of these important concepts, but, um, but there is a spirit and I appreciate that, Bonnie, when I first heard you, like you used all the same things I'd heard growing up, but with such a different spirit. And it, so it has never triggered me ever. Mm. Um, that's cool. And so that's kind of my process has not been so much focusing on what to avoid, but more about how to recapture knowing that, okay, I'll, all definitions that I learned growing up are suspect. Every single one. God was an abuser. That's that's if that's the top thing that you know, then you know that all definitions under that are suspect. Yes. And so I've been on this process of just reclaiming every single one of those those words, every single one of those concepts, understanding what it is. And I will find it in crime speak, which in Christianity is termed the devil. They're all headed mm. under that um and i'm not saying all 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 aspects of christianity all types of christianity you understand um but there is at least in mine it was it was all put under demonic the devil so you don't want to go there you don't want to explore there so almost every single thing that i've had to recapture i've had to go into that land that was once considered sin so anyway <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, what you just did there, Eve, was brilliant. And it leads us into this whole other, it, it's like the foreground, the forecourt for this whole idea of what is logical discourse. What is, what is logical discourse that is acceptable in realms of theology that what counts as truth it does it only count if we're using the known language to 
discuss it? And does it count if it's a felt reality, a a a spirit a, a spiritual impression? Um, talking about maybe going into the lines of like a testimony type thing. Well, I know you know that God is real because God whatever fill in the blank, or I know that God uh, loves me because whatever fill in the blank. And to Kelly's point earlier they were always saying, well, you have to show proof in this, in this written word, you have to support it, which is Eve, what you're saying. It's like this sort of judge and jury criminal um, courtroom where, well, if the law doesn't explicitly say whatever your fill in the blank is, and you have no supporting evidence for what you're doing, it's wrong. If you can't support it by the text, if you can't support it by the law. And what's interesting about that is the very written words I'm reading from Romans 8, which Romans 8 has a ton of cool stuff in it about being never being separated from the love of God. But remember that Romans 8 1 says, remember this one, now there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit for the law of the spirit is the liberating force of life in christ it leaves us no further obligation to the law of sin and death spirit has superseded eve spirit has superseded the sin enslaved senses as the principal law of our lives like sin has like the spirit i think that is just so beautiful but what it does is it gives it releases control and what the masculine in all of us hesitates to release control. We hate giving up control. <laughs> that, that, that part of us, that masculine, if, if you're really wanting to be real, real, real honest about it all, it's not just those persons with a male anatomy that have problems and with authority or need to be in authority or need to be in control. It's that masculine part of each one of us that desires control and has a, a need for absolute and certainty. And it's that other part of us when we dip into that feminine space of our own bodies, even those persons with male anatomies, with male biologies, when they dip into that feminine part, they start to relax into that sense of the spirit has superseded the senses. When the two are working together, when we can stop splitting this off and we can come together with a fullness of our whole two whole sides, we can really experience a freedom with a responsibility to um, one another and with each other. This does not mean it's, you know, haphazard in any way. It actually, the, the divine order of things is actually really controlled as it turns out, um, which is this sort of evolving circular mystery. Go ahead. I think Heidi had her hand up. Heidi, did you lose it, honey? I'm sorry. We just kept talking way on and I did what I hate being done to me. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say to Eve, thank you for what you said about um, Bonnie saying all the things that you've heard before, but because of the spirit in which she said it, and how it felt to you, it didn't trigger you. That meant a lot to me because 
oftentimes we will grapple with um, how do we say this without triggering um, as your worship leader I often am grappling with you know are these lyrics going to trigger people so those are things that we're constantly thinking about so it's it's really helpful and hopeful to know that because of the spirit in which it's being said, not only do you feel that and hear that, but it's not a trigger. So that just meant a lot to me. And I just wanted to say thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure thing, Heidi. Um, I've been actually meaning to say something like that for a very long time. Um, just haven't exactly known when because it has been so impactful to me. And that's why I'm still here, actually, because I, I had kind of given up on church altogether because the spirit was never, never right. And I thought coming out of a cult, I would find that everyone else was so open and free and it just didn't happen. Um, but here it, it does. And I really appreciate that. So I think, I think it's twofold. There is, there's us meeting each other halfway. There's us, uh, those of us in leadership trying to be conscientious of the triggers and all that stuff. So it's not to put a greater burden on anyone, but there's also those of us who are recovering um, coming from a place of recognizing the spirits and recapturing, recapturing so that we don't have to spend a, a place in everlasting triggering. <laughs> um, anyway, so. Yeah. I want to say, say this right before it. So, so good. Even thank you for inserting that. That's just really a neat confirmation that we're doing a good, doing good work in this house. That's producing freedom. Um, the law of the spirit, the law of the spirit. And the reason why they even use that word law is because it was in the context of law. That's the only reason why we did, that's the, the reason. Because I mean, how do you even have a law of the spirit? But I think we kind of understand that this whole this whole language of the spirit, the lexicon needed to talk about the spirit is is totally vastly different than the law of life or like the law of like the natural, like what we can only see with the physical. But the law of the spirit is righteousness by faith versus the law of personal effort and self-righteousness. I think if it's really it's really important for me as a faith teacher um, to insert these kind of powerful words to understand that we're not talking about your own personal effort or your own ability, your own way of doing and being right, but it's actually looking at God's righteousness by faith, the way that God's opinion of you has already been settled in. And once and for all, God's mind is made up about you. And it's good that, that, that you are whole, that you are righteous, that you are the same amount of blemish free as your covenant representative. And I know I always bring back those terms, but it's because that's the narrative that we find ourselves in when we read the scriptures. We're in a covenant based language. We're in a covenant based um faith. And so it's important to understand that these terms um, put us on the same level or put us reconciled. Go ahead, Kelly. I was just going to say, you know, talking about language again, when you were talking about um, control and that that's the, um, the, uh, you know, the, the male part the testosterone part of us that wants to control um, in, in both of my upbringings, because faith was a big part of my childhood and adulthood, um, you know, Catholic school, my whole life, blah, 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 whole thing. Um, I was taught that control was all the woman in both faith traditions that, um, you know, 
that women want to control the narrative either because Eve tried to control it. Um, and Eve was the first disobedient one. Um, and it's a light bulb moment for me realizing that, that no, actually that really, it's, it's what you said. Um, and, and that to be truly, I was taught that to be truly feminine, I had to be meek and mild and there's nothing meek and mild in my makeup. And so it's fighting against what was natural. Um, and, and it's, it's hard. That's hard to do. That's hard to fight against. And so I, that was just a light bulb, the whole thing about control. And I've always been taught that control is a really bad part of a female. Yeah. Yeah. You, you raise a good, a good point because doesn't it just indicate when, when you take the other side of the coin and put it all on the uh, bio, bio male type character but then coming from your construct, it was always on the bio female type character. Well, doesn't it just then prove prove what we're trying to say here is that every side of us and every part of this human creation wants to control, has an element of, of control that they bring to bear in different ways. Because we can, now that you sort of open up both sides of that, we can see, well, gosh, that's coming from all sides. Yeah. In, in, in all different, different kinds of ways. And that then if we can bring it back to, this is not an external male and an external female, but this is an internal to me. I host and I hold all of these parts within me. And how am I doing that in any given situation? How am I trying to distort or contort this outcome? Or how, how am I, how am I, how is my fear playing into this outcome? Go ahead. Uh, this is really interesting, interesting, good stuff. I, I think that I'm, I'm just really sitting with, I think what I'm going to take away um, from this today is that inner critic, the inner, um, if you have to have that inner abuser, and how does that continue to show up in our encounters, in our interactions, and our own, how are we waiting for God to slap our wrists um, or more importantly, or more egregiously pull the rug out from underneath us? Um, or how, what kind of a tightrope are we walking to ensure that we are on God's good side <laughs> and, and not opening the door, for example, to tragedy and these kinds of things were set up in our constructs very early um you know so how how free can a person be how how much net do we have how far can we go that god will still God, how far can we go in our own decision-making lives 
and God will still be there to bless it with favor. Are we ever outside of, have we ever gone too far? Is there a part where we did that's too far? God absolutely cannot bless that. I think the answer is while he was still a long way off. Uh, kind of an inside joke there, right? Inside for those that know the prodigal son story. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's always been like, if I had to pick one line from the Bible, that would be it. You know, I've always said like, we need to write a worship song called that or a memoir called that, like something. Yeah. And, and it's, it's the truth of the gospel in that one line. There, there is not too far to run where God is not still there with an infinite amount of love. That that's really that's really powerful. And you know, people talk to me all the time and they say, I think I've I've gone too far. That's that's common in the language for people who feel like they've messed up too much. I've just done too many things. I've gone too far this time. Especially parents will say that to children a lot. You've gone too far enough. You know, as if to say, like, the grace extends to here, but now you've you've crossed the line. And we have these lines. And so we think maybe there is a line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sure. and and that and that, you know, in that prodigal son story, to me, the most beautiful part of that story um, is when the father girds his loins so that he can run to the son. Um and that, yeah, like no matter how far we have gone, God will do what's necessary to get to us. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, I think we wrestle with these things in a nuanced way. Mm -hmm. I think we wrestle with them inside of our own, inside of our own psyches, inside of our own minds of like, have I gone too far? Like, I mean, those are just sort of questions. Like, am I outside of God's blessing? Am I, have I, did I take a wrong turn like 200 miles ago and I'm just out here in my, on my own? <laughs> you know, how, how, and I am reminded, I'll leave this with this scripture from it, Romans 8. We started at Romans 8, 1, for there is therefore now no condemnation. Now we'll end with this one. And it's at the very end of that same chapter. This is my conviction that no threat, whether it be death or life, be it celestial messengers, de demon powers, or political principalities, nothing known to us at this time or even in the unknown future, no dimension of any calculation in time or space, nor any device yet to be invented, has what it takes to separate us from the love of God demonstrated in Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And just to be clear, that means also God's blessing and favor. It does not just mean God loves you, but doesn't like you. And so you get to be banished to a separate part. But this means that God loves you, God favors you, and nothing in all of creation that you can dream up now or in the future will ever separate you from God's divine favor, which he established in Christ Jesus before you ever came on the scene you just simply get to be part of it i hope that this continues to resonate we continue to think about what ways are we listening to the abuser 
what ways are we listening to the freedom of God in Christ Jesus as you go forward in your day? God bless you as these words continue to grow in you and produce freedom in your life. For you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free and make you free. God bless you.